0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello there, I'm Tony Gale, and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast.
2: Listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And I still don't really know how to feel after Saturday. Adam Ola-Lukman's penalty was perhaps the most bizarre, ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my whole entire life. But after the game, I couldn't really escape the feelings of anger from that woeful second half and the complete unprofessionalism of Saeed ben Rama. I know he got the assist. But that absolute shambles of a, uh, a foul to give Fulham the penalty uh, exactly a week after we'd seen Arthur Masuaku do it at Anfield. James Jones is already shaking his head at me and we haven't even got out of my intro. So, Jonesy, I'll throw to you first of all. How's things going? It's nice to see you again. I know we won, but uh, I didn't really know how to feel about it.
3: Yeah right. thanks mate first of all it's good to get your uh, your usual intro back back after last week um the Giraffe off returns um, absolutely mate trademark isn't it but i'm i'm just shocked at your your attitude towards the the win on saturday it's um i think your exact words were i'm angry about that performance after we'd won in the premier league um, sign of a
2: big team isn't it big team mentality yeah
3: team oh not that again um no, I, I, I don't think... Yeah, okay, the second half wasn't great. Um, but the first half was good. We could have been three or four nil up if it were for their keeper. And then, you know, had we had we been three or <laughs> four nil up... Had we been three or four nil up at half-time and then had the exact same second half performance, would you have been Would you have been as angry as that? I don't know. I think, um, yeah, I think the three points are three points. Uh, fair play to that Fulham keeper for keeping the score just at 1-0. And, and the end... No, I don't think that's a penalty. Um, it's not a penalty. And uh, luckily, Adam Oluwman let his ego get in the way of um, what should have been uh, a straightforward equaliser for them in the 97th minute. So yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be moaning about it.
2: Well, first of all, if my auntie had a willie, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> and <laughs> And if... <laughs> If we were winning four nil half time and then we put that second half performance in, then yeah, I'd i been absolutely fine because <laughs> we'd have won four nil at the end. But the fact is we weren't. And if I had to watch another passage three of points play, three honestly, points, it was, right?
3: It's still no, it same about, at the same result. No, 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 it?
2: it's not. No, it's not. That's Sam Allardyce thinking. That's it's still exactly the same result. Stuff, no, that's exactly the sort of stuff Sam Allardyce used to come out and say when he was cupping the air uh, at Hull City at home. That's 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 exactly. And I mean, you are a bit of a Sam Allardyce bloke. But, uh, oh God. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not having it. I don't think. I don't think that is okay. Moyes basically said it himself after the game that we would got away with one. He wasn't like, overly buzzing about it, was he? Um, yeah, I, I think honestly that passage of play in the second half, leading up to the goal, was a solid 25 minutes of pass it between the three centre backs, pass it out wide to Koufal. He runs down the line a bit. And he either turns back or he gets tackled. And if he turned back, he gave it back to Balbuena, who passed it across uh, all the way across the defence to Cresswell. who passed it out to Masuaku, who for some reason was allergic to running down the left in the second half. And then no long balls. I know it's that, that sounds like Allardyce thinking from me. No direct balls towards Haller, who obviously, as we know and we've said a thousand times, isn't that Antonio, so I can't run the channels. It was late in the game. You're chasing to try and beat relegation fodder at home with when you're playing nil-nil. And it was just passing for 20 minutes, absolutely nothing. So I'm not having that at all from you, Thomas. Nice to see you again, mate. Uh, whose side do you fall on here, me or James?
4: I don't want to be the classic fence here, but I actually came away originally happy. We snuck it. When the West Ham come away and, and actually get three points we probably didn't deserve, we we tend to miss out on those the decisions go against us or the other team capitalized on our misfortune or, or a poor piece of play from us. I did think it was a pen. I'm with you though. There the worry I took away from it is we're gonna struggle against the sides below us who are gonna to, willing to concede possession, willing to sit deeper without Antonio's channel running, his ability to bring the other players into play. I think it's definitely more than red flags. It, it's it's a very poor just like
2: last team, season, yeah.
4: Yeah, and and it, and I think that five at the back might have to be tinkered with. But uh, just coming away with another win, it sort of ended a good passage of games. So I, I sort of wish, willing to gloss over that. I hope again, Antonio back quick because he'll make a difference and will hurt the smaller teams still. But I think a win's a win, and and to do it in that manner, I just still came away happy and I wasn't overly critical. But looking back on it, I, I do agree that we can't be. Two over the top with it.
2: I do I I think perhaps when I I kind of forgave him afterwards, but I think perhaps when Og Bonner went off, that might have been the time to say, you know what, we don't need five at the back or three centre halves. Now's the time to, to switch switch that up. So we'll take Og Bonner off. He's obviously needs to come off, but I'll take advantage and, and perhaps put a midfielder on, or you put Lanzini on or Ben Rama then. But I do agree with that. Just quickly on the penalty, Tom, you touched on it, you hmm. said you think it was a pen. James, you think it no. Was. Yeah, I, I just hate that. It, it just looks yeah. so unprofessional. You've just yeah. scored to go one nil up at home. Masuaku's done it literally the exact same thing mm-hmm. last week. Why are you swinging a leg out in the box like that?
3: Do you do you not think though? And I, I get that there's contact because you not think it's even more unprofessional for the opposition player to go down as if he's been hacked no, to death. What are
2: you talking about? No, that's it's the, the unprofessional he's...
3: side of it. Everyone had a puppet Salah last week. No one's had a puppet. Um, was it Kearney that went down? That's more unprofessional than a player sticking a leg out, no?
2: I think they would have had a puppet. it. Well, no, I, I disagree. I, I don't think... That's not going to wash at the end of the season, is it? If, if, if for example, West Ham miss out on the Champions League by a point, which is likely... Or no, sorry, if we had have missed out, if they'd have scored that and, and we had a missed out by two points, or like last week with Masuaku, if we then miss out on a point that we could have got at Anfield if it wasn't for that, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know where I'm going then you're not going oh well it doesn't matter because um it was unprofessional from them to dive it's like i know no one likes it that's fine i'm not arguing that this is how the game should be but it is how the game is there's there's no what is the point of just shouting i don't like it when people dive this isn't fair (laughs) (laughs)
4: what's
2: the point of doing that what is the point there's absolutely no point people do dive and make the most of contact there was no need to swing his leg out there. There was about 700 West Ham shirts around Kearney. Just absolutely no need for it. Tom, it, it's, mm. I'm just ranting here and it could just be me V James all night, which is fine. But uh, what, I mean, I'm a saying? happy
4: watcher. No, I, I think it wasn't the smartest decision. I think he's high on adrenaline. He, he's trying to make an impact, trying to do something in the defensive end. It, it's, not clever, it probably is a pen for me. I think he's given the ref no choice when you go and see that contact. he has stood on him. It's not a lot. It's definitely not enough to go down the way he has. It's not done him any favors either Ben Rama, but I think it probably is a pen, especially when he when he's called over, the ref's already probably doubting his his decision originally then, and he's thinking more often than not I'm going to give this now. So it's one of those, but yeah, I I don't want to be too harsh on Ben Ramer. He did have that presence of mind to uh, create that goal, which everyone else seemingly panicked in the final third for the majority of that game, except that one moment which won it for us. I
2: think he he bailed himself out, didn't he? uh, Because not long before he'd uh, when he broke in down the left, and it was screaming for him to tuck the ball back, and he tried to smash it uh, in at the near post. uh, absolutely see them. Well, Jonesy, I, I can already, I'm already riled up. I think it all started when I was waiting for you to hit the record button uh, before the show for about at least five minutes staring at you going, what the hell's you he doing? Only to notice you'd done it about uh, four and a half minutes before I noticed. And uh, my <laughs> so my anger at you, the original anger was unfounded. But you suggesting that uh, that shouldn't have been a penalty and West Ham should be, um, or Ben Ram should be forgiven because diving's not fair is uh, absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I look forward to us having a go at each other for the next uh, 50 to 60 minutes or so. As always, a bit of housekeeping before we start the show. We've got an excellent show coming up tonight. And the guests, we just keep them coming. Former players galore on the We Are West Ham podcast at the moment. And we are delighted to say that this week we are joined by not only an ex-West Ham player, but also an ex-Fulham player, a We Are West Ham friend of the podcast. He's been on before. Sky Sports pundit and former hammer Tony Gale joins us later on to have a chat about the game. He was covering it. Doing comms for Premier League Productions, I believe. Uh, He'll be chatting to me and the lads later on, having a chat about that game and a general chin wag about West Ham's current form. Uh, Hello, as always, to any new listeners. Uh, We gave away a West Ham shirt last week to Chrissy, so congratulations to Chrissy for that win that, uh, she what opted for the away shirt actually Jonesy i think already had the home one so opted for the uh, light blue and claret stripes away shirt we will be of course running some more giveaways later on in the season. So keep your eyes peeled for those. Do follow us on Twitter. James has put out a poll earlier on to the, we are West Ham listeners. as We love it when you lot get involved. So that's at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel because you can watch the show. Uh, just scroll down in the podcast description and uh, there'll be a link to the channel that this video will be out in the middle of the day at uh, some point on Wednesday. So if you listen to the pod and the video is not up yet, do not worry. It comes out a little bit after the podcast. So go down into the podcast description for that link to our YouTube channel and you can see uh, me and James and our angry faces as we go head to head on the rest of the podcast this evening. We'll cover some uh, headlines, uh, some talk this week about Aaron Cresswell, Deserving an England call-up after I started the Mikhail Antonio for England campaign on TalkSport and this podcast a couple of weeks ago. We will, of course, as I said, go, uh, go into the Fulham game in a bit more detail among the three of us and Tony Gale. We asked the We Are West Ham listeners on Twitter whether they think we should start Saeed Ben-Rama against Sheffield United after his horrendous error for the penalty. Oh no, sorry, Jonesy, it was, it was for his assist. That's why he asked that question wasn't it? We forgot we're completely letting him off, giving away that penalty. Uh, The Betway charity bets will, of course, cover those. None, no opposition view this week because we're in an international break, but we'll have a look back at the uh, charity bets from last week that me and the lads placed. We all backed West Ham to win, which we, of course, did. Uh, but we'll dig into whether or not we actually won any money for the charities. There'll be name that game this week. Tom Edwards is the quiz master as me and James go head to head again in competition. Will we still be talking to each other at the end of this podcast? I think so. And finally, of course, as ever, we will wrap up the podcast with the West Ham women segment and We've got Isabel Barker, sports journalist and WSL expert from The Sun back again. And I know at home you might be thinking, this is the third time she's been on this season. Surely you can get some new guests. Well, this week, as much as Isabel's outstanding insight on all things women's football, she is also a Fulham fan and uh, she had some very, very funny exchanges with me and Jonesy after the game at the weekend. So we felt compelled to get her back involved. We'll wrap up with a Fantasy Premier League update. I'm definitely looking forward to that bit this week and as ever it is a packed show gentlemen so uh james before we uh before we wrap up this first segment and we welcome tony gal onto the pod uh what are you where, where did i know we've gone head to head already on this but did you was were you just completely pleased with with the with the result in the end? Was there any feelings of, all right, I, I know Will is just ranting as he usually does, but there, there is some credence in, in what he's saying.
3: Oh, obviously, I'm happy with the result. Uh, I don't know how anyone couldn't be happy with the result, but I do, I do recognise that the the performance, you know, could have been a lot better. I think we, we struggled with, without Antonio, as, as Tom's already alluded to. Um, I thought Haller was better. And I think even David Moyes said, you know, there, there was better periods of play from Haller, because he hit the bar with that header in the first ten minutes or so as well. So he came close, uh, but we still lack that that energy and and that player running in behind up front that Haller doesn't offer us. And I think that's where we came unstuck. You know, we had a lot of particularly in the first half, we had a lot of chances um, and a lot of the ball. And I think in the second half, it got to the point where we were just huffing and puffing for that winner. And yeah, eventually it did come. But I wouldn't have been surprised if it hadn't have come because we were running out of ideas very, very quickly. <laughs> ran. And, We'd ran yeah. out.
2: This is going to annoy me was, all night.
3: And it was like, well, okay, if the goal does come, then happy days. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be surprised at all. Because yeah, okay, barring those, those, those what three or four chances in the first half, obviously hitting the bar of Cresswell's free kick in the second. We were, you know, there was not a lot going on. Um, but you've got to be happy with the, with the three points. Like, when you said, when you messaged in the WhatsApp group after the game, well, I'm angry about that, I was like, are you sure, mate? We've got three <laughs> points in the Premier League. We've got nosebleeds in 11th position in the Premier League. Like, I mean, what more do you want? Um, yeah, okay, it wasn't perfect, but it really is perfect to West Ham, is it? I mean, what were you expecting? Barcelona?
2: No, that is true. Tom, uh, you've heard what James Allardyce has got to say there. What's your... <laughs> Well, um, one thing I did notice, and I was uh, me and my dad were sitting there uh, watching it unfold. What was your thoughts on your mate Declan Rice? Because again, mm-hmm. I don't know whether I'm just getting caught up in that second half performance, but I was getting more and more infuriated. I thought he had a pretty poor game. Uh, again, he was check as well before he got the assist. Not just Declan; he was almost invisible who get an overrun in the middle of the park. We might as well not add any centre midfielders, but everyone, you know, mostly unfounded gives Declan stick for the sideways passes. But that's all I really saw from him um, mm-hmm. in that sort of, certainly in that second half, I think that's just burnt itself into my memory and I've sort of forgotten about all the chances and the fact we
4: played all right in the first. No, mate. I I, I mean, I'm more understanding about your blaming both of them. I think Rice, Rice and Suchek aren't two who are going to thrive next to each other in that. They thrive when they don't have the ball and they can get up and down the pitch. We can set defensively, play the long set piece up to Suchek and, and with smaller gaps between them and not having to carry the ball very far. And I think that will be a problem. I think that's the main problem of us playing the five. We don't have anyone who's going to unlock it unless it's out wide and balls in the box. So teams are quite – they know how we're going to play against us and they can probably defend that and telegraph it quite easily if you're deep. But I think it's easy. To, Rice is always the man who everyone looks to, to do something or make something happen. I thought he had a pretty solid game again. I've, I think it's also got to look at the people in front of him. I don't think Bowen was trying to get in the good spaces or read the game properly, stayed too wide or he came in too early. He, he, he was sort of cramping down the space for them. Uh, Four nows again, didn't put in the best performance. Trying to get on the ball in front of him, I just think that there's other reasons as well. But I agree, he wasn't. He didn't unlock any doors, and I don't think that's his game. I think it's going to shine more against these smaller teams.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is going to be a problem, Jonesy. I'm just just looking at your face. It was annoying me tonight. <laughs> I was just I'm listening to Tom now. I think yeah, he's pretty engaging. He knows what he's talking about as ever. He's made some salient points there, but at the same time, I'm going, he's so annoying. Why does he always disagree with everything I say <laughs> and I'm always right?
3: <laughs> I just, I just don't, I don't know how you can't be happy with the win, mate. So, yeah, yeah no, it, was, it wasn't great in the second half. I but go we've that. got, th- we've got three points. There's no need to be angry. Um, maybe, maybe reason to be concerned in some areas given. Some areas of the performance, but we've got three points, um, somewhat fortunately given the penalty at the end, but it's got to take it. You can't, you can't let yourself get down over that. No, no, no. All right, I'll, um, I'll uh, see. We'll, we'll revisit
2: this at the end of the pod, James, to see if I've had a change of heart. After we hear from ex-West Ham player, centre-half and Fulham. Next Fulham player as well, of course. Sky Sports Pundit, all round good guy. He's a right laugh. He's had uh, he's been on the show before during the first lockdown. We're delighted to say he's back again. So stay with us because it's Tony Gale next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And I'm delighted to say, to settle uh, the argument between me and James about the Fulham game, is not only a man who was there covering it and doing the commentary on the game. It's a man who played for both clubs. And if he can't settle the argument, then no one's going to be able to. 368 appearances for West Ham, seven goals. It's a, a returning guest to the We Are West Ham podcast, former player and Sky Sports pundit, Tony Gale. Tony, thanks very much for joining us. Um, we will ask you how you are and we do care. But first of all, uh, settle an argument between me and James. I'm furious that uh, with the second half performance and Saeed Ben Rama inexplicably dangling his leg with just seconds on the clock. And big James Allardyce is telling me he's cupping his ears to me, and the fans saying, You should just be happy with a win, crack on with it, and get over it.
1: Uh, you're both wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> you're both
1: wrong. You don't know nothing about football in Next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually,
3: that that answer makes the most sense of everything. It's about fair. It's about right, isn't it?
1: I'm only joking. I mean, boys, if you're there, um, which which no one is unfortunately at the moment, it's a totally um, different experience at the moment with no crowds. But you can still still feel the nervousness about getting over the line, about gaining all three points. And if you watch that, Tom Kearney does brilliantly. He stops the ball dead in the penalty area. He's got nowhere to go. And he walks into a couple of challenges. One pulls out. Ben Rama puts his foot in. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's not long been on the pitch. He's a striker. Stupid challenge. Yes, the slightest touch. But it was a bit like the Mo Salah one the other week. Do you remember the Mo Salah one? Mm. Oh, do that, we? That <laughs> all the need to go down. It, was definite, it was a definite penalty. And uh, I called it straight away in commentary. But uh, it's one of those ones where no one wants to go near him, and you you know what you're going to do, and you're you're in the area, and you're going, "Don't touch him! Don't touch him!" And there's always a stupid striker that puts a foot out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Jones, uh, Jonesy, I think that makes it one nil to me, doesn't it? Because you said that <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't a penalty, and that he was unprofessional was. for for throwing himself to the ground like that. Tony, you completely uh, the. You're giving Ben Rama the benefit of the doubt, so I think that might, Jonesy, make it one over to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're the voice of reason, as ever, Tom. Me and Jonesy just shouting at each other across the the (laughs) void. Tony, what did you make of the second half performance from West Ham? Uh, As Jonesy rightly pointed out earlier on, we did perform well in the first half, hit the bar countless times. You know, we're unlucky not to be leading. And then that second half performance... Off the back of it, I wasn't pleased at all. What did,
1: you, what did you make of the whole game? Well, I thought West Ham played about, uh, very well in the first 15 minutes of each half. If you look at the game and watch when all the chances came, uh, what was impressive about the performances, obviously, was Moise getting them out the blocks. They were quicker out the blocks than Fulham. Created chances, hit the bar, had several other sort of half chances to Fulham's none. And the second half was obviously the same. When Moisey has said, right, you see when you let Fulham gain control of the game, put their passes together, what happens? You've got to keep the tempo up. They came out again, they kicked on, and really they should have got a second or a third goal, shouldn't they, in the first 15, 20 minutes in the second half? But what you mustn't forget, boys, is there's always two teams in a game. And Fulham, having played well in their last game against West Brom, which I actually commentated on as well, you'll have to give them the compliment of, they kind of took the sting out the game. They passed the ball and they got West Ham, which was very, very uh, well played to Fulham, into that mode of "I'll come and let's knock it about as well." Instead of being a little bit not direct—that's that's being rude to West Ham—but uh, being a little bit more forceful and direct as they were in the first fifteen minutes of each half.
3: Tony, what, what do you make of Sebastian Haller at the moment? See he's he's coming in and he's replacing Michel Antonio. And we we were talking earlier that you know we lacked that cutting edge going forward because we didn't have someone like Antonio sort of running in the channel, running in behind and having that sort of energy up front. But then Halla on the flip side offers us something a little bit different, but we don't really need to strengths sometimes. Do you think that we can utilise Hala effectively?
1: Yeah, I think um, at their best, when they're getting crosses in West Ham, it looks good and they're creating chances for him. At their worst... They leave him a bit isolated. And that's the same for Antonio. But when he gets isolated, he runs things down. He's a real nuisance, isn't he? And he's got that little bit of, he's developed into a game, into his game now, that little bit of something different, as well as having the pace and the power. I think his close control, holding the ball up, has really improved. Hilaire's definitely got it. But what I'd like to see when they're both fit, if you go back, I think it was last season. The best we played was Crystal Palace away. The two of them played up front together. Antonio played slightly behind, but made the runs into the channels. Hilaire stayed up top. I think that's when West Ham, as a a front two, looked really good. And Moisey played a kind of uh, narrow midfield four. And I think that the two of them would complement each other as well. So at least he's got permutations because Lanzini and Benrahma came on as well. And when you're playing teams like Fulham who are not having a as much of the ball as you, so say, then you can take the game more to them and have those luxury players. When you're playing the, the, the better teams like we have done in the first few games, then you want your hard workers like Nows and Bowen in there. You know, who've also got a bit of skill, but you can afford to have a couple of luxury players against the lesser teams. He's got a few um, permutations now, which is good. It's good for us Ham.
4: Tony, because we've done so well with that five at the back and those two in the middle against the big sides and we've looked great on the counter, do you think that sort of forced Moise's hand and now he sort of has to play that no matter who? And that could actually, like against and we struggle with the two in midfield to create anything centrally. Do you think that against the smaller teams who are willing to sit a bit deeper, we might need to look at moving away from our trusted five and go with four and open some different spaces up?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you could be correct there, but I, I think you can still go with that five-stroke three, but you can push further, further up the pitch mm. and get Masuaku plan a lot, uh, a lot closer to it and get yeah. crosses up there. But you can also go with that formation with two up top, so you can yeah. go a three-five-two, so you play two holding and one in front instead of the two on the wide sides and the one down the middle or three-four-three, three. because I think Fulham at times really kept the ball for long periods. You know, mm. Reed in there with Angisa and Kearney, outnumbered Declan and Socek in there. Socek, I mean, scored the goal. Mm. I, I said in commentary, I think he must have touched the ball about five times in the game.
2: You know, <laughs> exactly. great goal.
1: Took his goal well, but he didn't touch the ball, did
2: he? Eh? I, what do you think that... Because I, I, we, we covered it just in the in the little intro bit we done there. And I think, obviously... Uh, uh, by all means not going to jump on Declan's back because it was him and Suchek it seemed like at half time I don't know if you noticed it obviously being in the ground but that Parker I don't know what it was, I couldn't put my finger on it but he seemed to have changed something and all of a sudden we might as well not have had those two central midfielders because Declan when he did get on the ball was forced to just play it between the centre-halves uh, well, because that Fulham had packed that midfield and it something seemed to change at half time which I think was, was led by Parker and Fulham. Which all of a sudden, from exposing them and having some decent chances early on, we went from that to almost really looking like we lacked creativity at all.
1: Yeah, well, Fulham are a possession-based team. You know, that's how they came up through the Championship, and even when they've gone into the Premier League, they like go toe to toe with teams for possession. It's because they played the a numbers game in midfield. So you got the three against two. So you had Reed and Gieser and Kearney against two. So they get outnumbered. So that's a little bit difficult on Declan uh, in particular and Sochek as well. By the way, it's Sochek, I've been told by my commentator friend. It's not Suchek. It's spelt Suchek, but over there uh, from where he's from, it's Sochek. You wouldn't believe that, would you? I've had already exchanges. had...
2: We've we've already had this with Ku Fowl and Sue Fowl. We yeah. uh yeah. we had an Coup argument Fowl, about yeah. it earlier in the season. Yeah, Sue Fowl, isn't it?
1: Sue Fowl, yeah. It's uh or So Fowl, I think it's So Fowl. Yeah, So, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. so uh, anyway, it's not like Stuart and Gail and Paris, is it? Like, you know, yeah. like that. <laughs> No, but going back to that point, it's a good point, boys, and it's a it's kind of technical point for the people that uh, be watching and everything. You get outnumbered. If you're playing three against two there, which we're prepared to do when we're playing against the better sides, but they don't move out in front of that back four. Declan and Socek don't come out. They stay there. Now, if you're giving up possession, that's okay. But once you want to get on the front foot, you've got to put another one in there. So I think it was Thomas said, you know, playing two up front. If you play up two up front, you could play one in behind them now. And that one in behind is the extra midfield man. So you get, say... If you had a Lanzini in there, you could mm. put Lanzini in behind the two strikers or Bowen or whoever you wanted, then all of a sudden it changes it. But because Moyes, he done so well with the system, I thought he didn't want to change it. So, you know, fair play. Look, West Ham won the game. So we we can't have a go at him too much, can
3: we? No, Tony, what have you made so far this season? I know we've picked up some really good results. And right at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of question marks over particularly after that Newcastle game, sort of what we were going to build about this season, but also David Moyes' capability of really taking the football club forward. And now here we are, you know, having only lost one in our last six, and that was coming against Liverpool and Anfield. What have you made of David Moyes' impact? I know it's been a bit of a tactical switch, but do you think he's really beginning to show where he can take the football club and really prove the doubts wrong a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think I think what it has done with the crowd not being there, there's an acceptance that, you know, oh like some if the crowd was there, they go, Oh, come on, we've got to be on top of Fulham, we've got to be all over Newcastle, we've got to have sixty or seventy percent possession, we've got to be getting shots in. But if there's no crowd there, there's no one to get on their back. So they can play that waiting game. They can play that sit behind the the ball game, that well organised game. And providing you get the result or the results as we have, then it's fine. It's when that goes wrong that we all start to go, hold on, you're playing that way and you're not getting results. But if you play the other way and you play some great football and don't get results, maybe we don't mind that so much. But there's a fine line, isn't there? There's a fine line. So what he's got, with what Moisey's got at the moment, I think he's doing really well. I think you look at him and then you look at the previous manager and you think, well, he's, he's miles in front because he's got us organised. You can't start playing good football until you're organised and hard to beat. And even in the good size at West Ham, what I played in, we had to be organised first and foremost, and then we could get the best out of Flair boys.
4: Tony, one of the players who's really had a like, marked improvement since Moyes has come in is Aaron Cresswell. Do you, what do you think of his performances and what do you think has been a spark for that? Is it going to three at the back or is it just the new manager coming in and injecting a bit of confidence?
1: Well, I think uh, Aaron and Masawaku, when they played in the back four, both had problems. They both had problems in that they both kind of dozed off at different times and gave away vital goals. So, if one can't do it, two can. So, you've got one in front, one behind. And if you remember before, they've also mm. played it uh, in a different formation, haven't they? When they played a 4-3-3, three, three, uh, Aaron's played left back, and masawaku has been in front of him in that case, hasn't he? So, they've been doubling up. With uh, Masuaku, I think sometimes more than Aaron, he will doze off in important stages of the game when he's in that left-back spot or if he's in the last three. Aaron's a little bit more defensively aware. He's played really well, I think, Cresswell. He's settled down to the role. And if you have a look from that side, all our crosses, a lot of them come from that side. If Masuaku's not getting in the last third, he'll turn, come out to Aaron, and Aaron's Aaron's already got 10 yards of space and he can curl a ball in. He's got a really good, outstanding quality of delivery, as has Masuaku. If you've got two, they're coming in from different areas, aren't they? Masuaku, level and beyond the penalty area. Aaron Cresswell, halfway into the half and a little bit further. And they're different angles across his. Remember the Leicester goal? Cresswell, far post, Antonio. That didn't come in from the dead ball line. That come in from a really deep position. Great cross. So I think they're complementing each other at the moment and Moise can see that they're helping each other out. Mm.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think we're, we've all been big advocates of the system. I think before the season, it seemed... Uh, to a few of us, with those problems at wing-back and stuff, uh, with Fredericks and Cresswell or slash Masuaku's inability to play that role in a four at the back. Um, I think the the five the the five at the back and then the five four one that was, was sort of turned into killed uh, killed quite a few more than two birds with with one stone. I think just on that Cresswell point, Tony's calls for him and or muted calls, but for him and Antonio before he got the injury. Um, to you know would, would he get another call up to England Cresswell and Antonio both been called up Before Antonio never got a cap uh, Cresswell got uh, has i think um, what 's your what 's your take on that? Is it one of those where you think they 're playing well enough but Gareth just isn 't going to go for them because they 're too old, or do you think there's still still hope for the pair of them
1: yeah I think there 's quite a few in front of them at the moment. Uh, I think Antonio definitely could bring something different to England with his Raw pace, energy, power, and not just that now, because that's being uncomplimentary when we say that, but what he's added to his game as well. Good in the air, and also an ability to absolutely pin defenders now. Cresswell, I think, is is quite a few in front of him at the moment, unfortunately. And, you know, the fullback spots for England are are pretty good at the moment, aren't they? But if there was an injury, I wouldn't have any, any problem with Aaron Cresswell going in there. But it's how Gareth wants to play him. Because if Gareth wants to play in a four, he won't play. him. If he wants to play with a free, he might think about it because it gives it a balance, you
3: know. Do you think we're going to miss potentially miss Angelo in that centre half? He's, he's he's come off he's he's come off injured. There's talk of, of a groin a groin injury. I know we've got Diop, obviously we've got Dawson on online. loan, um, but he's been our best defender this this season. I think. Do you think that that could potentially harm? Our defensive solidity at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think he's the experienced one, isn't he? Because if there's a little bit of a. What, um, what I was saying in commentary, what Fulham were trying to do from their left hand side was isolate Cresswell on the far post against Mitrovic. And it happened a couple of times, and Fulham were a little bit unlucky because Aaron's probably the shortest of the three boys at the back. You know, Diop for me is amongst the best three central defenders there. Without a doubt. I think he's better than mm. Balbuena. But really? it's just mm. at that, moment, that moment in time when, you know, they've done well, so they can't change the team. And that's fair enough. Everybody has to accept that. But if he comes in, all of a sudden, the young man has got to be, like Og Bonner, he's got to be the governor of the three. The one dictating. Maybe we'll see it brings the best out of him. That he can man up a little bit. Because at times, I think he got a little bit bullied when he played. And that's strange when he's a six foot four central defender so if he mans up I think it um, will be fine.
4: Tony looking ahead to the rest of the season what do you think that we can realistically sort of be looking at and aim for and Moyes can aspire to because we've got a lot of the hard fixtures as well that are like hard start out of the way and now we have a run of about six seven eight winnable games up to Christmas so if we get things together how far do you actually think they can go or, or where do you think we should be aiming?
1: Well, this Fulham one will tell you that they're not going to be easy because yeah. I think West Ham deserve to win. Without, you know, West Ham had the better chances uh, and I always say it's not possession it's who has the better chances in the game who's looked more purposeful and West Ham were that. I think David would have learned a lot about that from being defensive in those initial games you spoke about, Tom. Now, we've got to find a way at getting at the other teams. So maybe expect Ben Rama. Uh, and Lanzini, maybe mm. to get a run. I mean, my 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 favourite is Lanzini. I, I think he's underused. I think he just needs an arm round him. And uh, listen, he did score against Tottenham, so he's always going to be my favourite. You know, <laughs> you wrong,
4: You're not wrong.
1: <laughs> That was funny, boys, wasn't it? That
4: was something <laughs> <laughs> else.
2: Hey, oh, could, you couldn't believe it, could you? <laughs>
1: Uh, um, I was so back, you... I was coming back off holiday and I went yeah. in the terminal at Greece and uh, I, I thought, oh, I can't believe it. You know, one down, two down, three down. And then I thought, in my phone beat, beep, beep. Oh, like, oh three, one. Oh, consolation effort. Beep, beep. Three, two. Oh, well, we got half a chance. Oh, there's only about 30 seconds left, though. Beep,
4: a fast... That's
1: it Oh, so I was yeah. texting all my uh, Spurs mates, uh, ex-Spurs players who I play golf with. You know, chucked it away again, boys. Chucked it away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's. I, I do wonder. I think his game time is going to be a little bit limited with the, with Ben Rama as well. I, do you? I, I, I'll be honest, Tony. Do you find that you're one of few people, who who say that about Lanzini because. Uh, most people um, tend to be of the opinion that you know his best days are behind him and he's getting about the amount of game time he he sort of deserves at the moment.
1: Uh, I've always got time for players who take a risk, players who take uh, touches on the ball, and he does. And uh, for me, his best position would be in front of Socek and Declan Rice now. So if he played in front of those two, with just that little role there, where he can just turn and slide little balls in. Against the teams that we're coming up against, that I think Tom just mentioned, you're going to need someone who's going to unlock the defence. And I think he's the one who can spot the pass. I appreciate what you're saying, Will. You know, he's had injuries. Uh, he's not been quite back to it or whatever. But if we can get him back to nearly where he was when he was playing with Payet, do you remember when he was playing with Payet? That was a great combination, wasn't it? That under Slav, that was mm. some terrific play. I mean, I just love, I mean, I love watching footballers who can play, and I was blessed that I was played played with a lot of those in West Ham teams. So when I used to watch those boys, I, I used to think, God, that's how we how we used to play. Oh, I love that. Wow, oh, look at that, look at that. You wanted to get on the ball, didn't you? So if we can get him somewhere near that, and I, I still think there's something there for him. I really do. I really do.
2: Tony, sorry, just quickly, before we do move on um, and just have a quick look ahead, I know it's a couple of weeks off uh, for that Sheffield United game, we'll hear from the We Are West Ham listeners, we asked them, put a poll out earlier on, whether they think Ben Rama starts against Sheffield United and who he should replace. We haven't asked you... Um, obviously, focused on the West Ham result, but what did you make of that penalty? Because we've uh, we've got Isabel Barker, a WSL expert and Fulham fan, coming on later in the show to talk about it. We'll put it to her. But he's he's received a bit of a hammering in the media. Scott Parker didn't hold back after the game. What what did you make of it? Is it as easy as that is unacceptable? He shouldn't be doing that. Or do you sort of feel for him yeah. a little
3: bit?
1: Well, I was sitting doing the commentary for. Uh, Premier League Plus, and I saw Glenn Oddle downstairs. He was just doing the commentary for BT, and we both looked at each other when he done it, and we both shook our heads. We couldn't, we couldn't believe what had happened in front of our eyes, because for Fulham, they'd had a great win against West Bromwich Albion. You got a two-week break, which you mentioned. If they got a draw out of that game, it would have been a really good result for them. And I, I was a bit disappointed that maybe Mitrovic didn't take the ball. I know he missed against Sheffield United but he's the senior player and they said he was carrying a bit of an hamstring but I ain't having that one he he really should have got hold of that ball and really just you know if you're going to miss it and blast it and the keeper makes a great save but Fabianski fell down got back up and then caught it and was waiting for it everyone in the ground all 250 of us all 200 everyone was like what has happened there? what has happened (laughs) couldn't believe it i mean everyone used boys watching it at home you must have thought oh uh, and, and if anybody had any accumulators to come up with a full and draw oh dear idea. Oh, dear <laughs> Livid. Right? Well, for the uh,
2: for the first time for a very long time i actually put west ham in mind so uh, <laughs> but that thought didn't strike me for quite a long time jonesy we've uh, uh,
1: got said that, can I just can I just add that yeah, on, you know man. I I wouldn't be too harsh on that kid Lookman because he, he uh, you saw the game he's going to be a great player for Fulham this season he really loves responsibility of getting on the ball and uh, he's one to watch
2: hmm. that'll be the last Penenka he ever does though that's for sure wouldn't it <laughs>
1: Oh well, I don't think he'll be picking the ball up to take one anyway will he Someone <laughs> said said something the next one I thought there ain't going to be a next one Can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Absolutely. There were reports <laughs> after the game. I don't know um sort of how true they were. The the people saying that he he sort of insisted um to take it off of Mitrovic, but is it do you reckon it was an injury?
1: Yeah, well Mitrovic was feeling his hammy a bit. Uh he suffers with his hamstrings now and again. Uh there's a good player. I love Mitrovic. It he'd it, have been good for West Ham as well if they'd have got him. But Mitrovic for me, maybe because he is the big tough boy. He was the one who had a little bit of, of a tear-up with Ogbonna in the game. That's why uh, Ogbonna came off injured. I think he got an injury in their clash. But he really should have taken the uh, the mantle there. Like, he's only 23, the other kid. He hasn't had many games. And if you're the senior pro, no one takes it out of your hand. Eh? Only to can <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Tony, um, we've... Sorry, James, sorry. We've got, uh, we heard what Tony's got to say there about... Lanzini and Ben Rama we did as ever ask the We Are West Ham listeners on Twitter earlier today put a poll out um, at Are underscore West Ham if you don't follow us on Twitter already do go over there and it was a a simple one this week wasn't it Um, around the side Ben Rama selection Uh, what have you what was the question and and what are the what are our listeners
3: saying yeah well after Ben Rama came off the bench against Fulham and I thought it was a pretty decent cameo. Obviously he got the assist and yeah, okay, he did give away the penalty, but I thought it was a, a lively performance. Um and so we just asked our listeners on, on Twitter, you know, whether after that cameo, whether he deserves a start against Sheffield United in a couple of weeks' time. And um, yeah, it was a a landslide yes from from the we Are West Ham podcast listeners. Eighty just over eighty two percent said yes. Um just under eighteen percent said no. Um yeah. Tom, so. any uh,
2: any any comments um coming in as well? Joe, we asked as you,
4: well go who... we... on. Cool. So no, I was gonna say we've got quite a few comments coming in. A few of them are saying four now's. I'll get the names up here, but majority are saying four now's a few are saying what why can you why can you drop him? How can you even look at dropping four nows when he's put in this level of performance? Um and I'll, here we go. Tom Towers said, I'd start with Haller and Rama and end with Antonio and four nows. Maybe bring four nows on in the 70th 70th minute. I think that's a bit harsh. I think Paulo Kalens then said, drop four nows, but you all know Moyes won't change until we lose a game. And then everyone's asked, four nows, four nows, three in a row. Tony,
2: I would get your thoughts on that. The, The fella's been nominated for a Premier League Player of the Month for October. He works his socks off. I think he's, you know, he scored at Anfield the week before, uh, pretty decent again the other night. Can you, would you, well, would you start Ben Rama at first, um, first of all, uh, for Sheffield United? And can you just, could you justify dropping four nails for the game?
1: First, I don't think Moisey will start. I think he'll, he'll leave it as it was um, because you, have, you don't want to be out of the game. First of all, you've got to stay in that game and don't take Sheffield United for granted because they're a decent side. They actually play the same system as us, which it will be an interesting matchup. They do it with a difference with two strikers, so it's going to be an interesting matchup when we play them. But David Moyes plays four nows because he knows what he's going to get, and that is a lot of hard work. As is Gerard Bowen on the other side? Now, Bowen, I would say, he's got a little bit more about him. He looks like he's going to score a goal more, get a better cross and a better finish, and end ball, but you can't take away what Four has done, the hard working performances against the better teams. Some may argue Sheffield United are not a better team, but don't take anything for granted in the Premier League. Do not take anything for granted because any team can hurt you in the Premier League. I would think Moisey will stay the same and he'll slowly introduce Ben Rama. He'll get a lot uh, he'll get more minutes than he did against Fulham. Um, and I think it'd be wise to do the same with Lanzini because he's got to get minutes as well. You mentioned his lack of fitness; the only way you get that back is more minutes on the pitch. So, but as I said before, he's got the tools to do it now. You know, work hard for an hour, a pair of yeah, the other, see who we're going to take off, bring one of the other boys on, or whatever. So he's got he's got the permutations. I don't think Antonio will be fit in time though, will he? Someone mentioned Antonio; he's, I mean, yeah, that hamstring a really. bit. Do you, do you think that would destroy
2: founal's confidence as well because i think he he seems i don't know he strikes me as quite fragile you know a confidence player and it's taken him a while he's worked hard to get into the prem or get into the side and, and get up to to sort of the levels of the premier league and that's an age old cliche but i think with founal it's proof of it i just i'd just be a bit worried If you take him out now after performing to what he will think is pretty much the best of his ability at this stage, he's only getting better, it seems. I think to take him out now, as much as people want to see Ben Rama, you've got to consider, I don't don't really want to see Fournelles destroyed.
1: No, I don't think it'll destroy him. And um, again, you'd have to man up a little bit because it doesn't mean that you're out of it. He's so cute, isn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you don't have
1: to. Listen... You don't make it as a pro footballer to where he is in the Premier League if you're cute. <laughs> there's a little bit about him. Well, you did. There's a little bit <laughs> yeah, I won't cute. There's a, there's a little bit more about him than that. You know, the way he you know, gets about, he helps the other two in midfield. As You mentioned that midfield and the numbers game in there. You know, Sheffield United played three in there. So, well, you know, what's going to happen to us in there? Will David think I've got to play another one in there? You know, he might change it for that game. And sometimes he tends he's, uh, he tends to think, "I'll match up when you're playing the other." If you think you've got a better player for player team than the opposition, opposition, why not match up? That's what you what he can do.
2: Excellent. Tony, uh, we've kept you for long enough. We really appreciate you giving us time. Just one last really brief one from you before we go. Uh, We know you're sort of close to um, Declan. You look out for him and rate him. As highly as we all do, of course. Lots of conversations uh, over the past, um, or over the summer, certainly, about wanting to leave. I think Tony Cotty was on, mate, yours a couple of weeks ago. Tony Carr as well, and then Craig Forrest last week. All of whom said, you know, he looks really happy at the club. He really, really does. What are you uh, sort of making of Declan this season, and how's he how's he feeling?
1: Well, I ain't spoke to him recently, so there's no uh, insight from there. But I thought he looked... He looked really good the other night. The captain's his helped as well, was not it? Because uh, yeah. that's cute, making him captain. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, but I think he's thrived on that. And then he thrives on the fact that he goes to England. He's not one of these players who think, oh, I ain't going to join up in the England squad. I think he loves that and he gets in there and he gets amongst it and he comes back with even more of a stature. Uh, I think Deck the other night was, was good But I think Deck's better than that I always If I I haven't spoke to him For a while now I always say to him Come on mate Start hitting those passes That you really can hit Those passes In between defenders You know And, and the killer passes Because Deck Deck can do a bit of everything um, Don't want him playing too well though We don't want him going Do we So Let's <laughs> just say Let's be alright Deck Just get through <laughs> Seven or eight out of ten That'll do us And uh, You know None of the big boys Are coming for you
2: <laughs> no, exactly, good, uh, lad, lad. Lad.
1: good lad we're lucky we're having lucky we're having yeah
2: Absolutely. Well, Tony Gale, it's been an absolute pleasure. We do really appreciate you joining us again tonight. We hope to have you on uh, again later on in the season. Uh, I don't think, Jonesy, that our debate has quite been settled yet. We've still got a little bit of the show left to see who is the winner um, after our ongoing argument for the evening. But Tony Gale, we really appreciate you joining us. And stay with us because we'll have the Betway Charity Bet section
1: next. Well, well, before you go, go you go... yeah, out of the three of you, your house needs decorating the most. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need anything. I don't
2: need anything. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness <laughs> me. I think there, there yeah, we go. Time. Cheers, Tony. No, I'm Tony, Tony Gowdy, West icon. Thanks very Huge. much. Tony Gale there, former West Ham and Fulham star, now a football pundit, uh, not really settling the argument between me and James. I think we both got a couple of wins there, James, he, didn't we? Um, he's not giving Ben Rama too much of a hard time, which I was. Uh, he does think it was a penalty, which you didn't. Um, But in insight, nonetheless, and another former pro on the We Are West Ham podcast. And rest assured, we are working tirelessly in the background to make sure the former player guests keep on coming. Uh, Lads, one thing that didn't come, unfortunately, for any of us last week was a Betway charity bet win. We all backed West Ham uh, to win for the first time. That has happened this season, but unfortunately, the remainder of our selections did not come in at all. I had West Ham to win, Jared Bowen goal or assist and a goal in each half. And I thought um, when Bowen was peppering them at the goal early on, he had that peach of a volley, didn't he? which was unlucky not to go in. I really thought I was going to be in for it. Um, but obviously, by half-time, when it was still nil-nil, that, my bet was off because the goal in each half. Tom, you had West Ham to win more than two and a half goals and under eight and a half corners. You went pretty cagey this week. Hoped to get some more cash on, but uh, didn't really, um, what's the word, account for a one-nil win, did you?
4: Doesn't help when you've got under eight point five corners. There's five in the first six minutes, mate. So uh, against against all the research I did, to me down the drain. But no, it's a shame because uh, I'd love that first one to land anytime, anytime soon. But you can't really predict this league. I mean, who knows these days? I'm going to really have to get one in the bank soon, though, because uh, we all want that money.
2: Absolutely, Jonesy. uh, West Ham to win. Sebastian Haller to score and more than three bookings or more than three point five bookings in the game. West Ham did win. Sebastian Haller hit the crossbar. You backed him to the hilt, which I thought was unwise, but um, he was actually pretty close, wasn't
3: he? Yeah, I was quite close for this one. Um, The the over three and a half cards actually came in when um, Diop got booked uh, for dissent when after the melee with the penalty in the ninety eighth minute. So I'd had Hadda scored that first half header, it would have been absolute scenes at the end with Diop getting okay. booked for descent and, and winning the bet. So um yeah, very close this week, very, very close. But um yeah, it just wasn't wasn't quite another crossbar away from it.
2: Absolutely. So just a reminder, uh, Josie, I'm not sure if you've got the league table there um, for how much money we've won so far this season, but just a reminder to everyone listening at home, me and the lads this season. um, Thanks for a partnership that we have got with Betway. Betway are putting 50 pounds or giving us 50 pounds each um, as a stake each week to put on a bet, a three selection bet of our choice and any winnings from any of those bets This season, uh, we put towards the individual West Ham related charities that me and the boys are playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Cancer Fund. Tom, for Isla's fight, uh, Isla Caton's fight battle against neuroblastoma needs funding. Um, Most West Ham fans will be aware. Of Isla and uh, and her cause a very very worthy one indeed. And James is playing for the DT38 Dylan Beadies Foundation. Uh, great work on all those fronts, Jonesy. Just uh, update. Obviously, no Betway bets this week because we're on an international break. They will be back. Of course, uh, me and the boys having our selections ahead of the Sheffield United game for next week's podcast. But Jonesy, just give us a quick update on how much money we've got in the bag at the moment. And of course, Betway have already agreed that whatever we win among the three of us, they'll be doubling at the end of the season.
3: Yeah, so at the moment, just you and I will that have got wins under our belt and i Tom's desperate to get one for for Isla. Um, so I'm currently on £147.50 with an asterisk um, Tom's on sixty with an asterisk and, and Will, you've got sixty as well with no asterisk. And that asterisk is obviously with that that last minute Leicester goal that was ruled out for a VAR cost both both me and Tom um some big wins each and uh, Betway kindly sort of said, you know, as it was the last kick of the game that was ruled out, we'll match Will's bet that week. So um free free money for, for those for those two bets. But yeah, some some good money raised and and obviously that's what, just, just over 250 quid plus Betway matching it. So, it's about 500 quid for charity so far this season. Not bad after eight weeks.
2: No, absolutely not, mate. That's, that's pretty good. If we keep going at that rate, it should be a few thousand in the bin by the end of the season, which is, of course, our goal. So, I think I can feel a little bit more uh, conservative selections coming on next week as we need one to come in again for me and the lads. But uh, that's all for the Betway charity bets this week. But Stay with us because we've got Name That Game next. So it's that time of the show again. It is Name That Game. This week, Thomas Edwards is the Quizmaster. Each week, the Quizmaster picks a West Ham match from history and collates seven pieces of information about that game that is on the other two players to guess. Uh, the information is obscure fact about the game the scoreline only one opposition goal scorer if there are any one West Ham goal scorer if there are any the stadium the game was played the West Ham's opponent and which season if the players are drawn at that stage it goes to a tie break which is the exact year the game took place at the moment James Jones still miles out in the lead I still can't quite get my head around how hey, you've managed to get 16 points, and me and Tom tied in that last place, or second, tied second uh, with 10 points each. Tom, quiz master this week, so he can't win anything, so the onus is on me to get stuck in and try and claw back some of James's uh, imperious lead at the moment. Tom, no faffing around, straight to you. Uh, let's get straight to it.
4: Yep, yeah, here we go, lads. So the obscure fact is that Ravel Morrison made his debut in this game. And and I'm gonna it... guess two-one. No. Oh. Any guess from you, Jonesy? I know I'm straight in. I'll try it. It's 4-1. Pretending you know. Shall I go? Shall I do scoreline? I've said four-one. Is that? No, four-one. No. Okay. Scoreline is one one.
2: Oh, on.
4: mm. uh, it might it's a rogue one.
2: I'm gonna go. Opposition go goal scorer. Mm.
3: Oh Defoe. <laughs> no. Cool, oh, this is a tough one, mate. Um,
4: is a I'll give
3: you another clue, which is an obscure. It's the last time. Hang on, hang on a minute! Hang
2: on a minute! Oh. Josie's
4: got to guess the old uh, opposition Sorry, goal go scorer
3: first. Get clues <laughs> in between. Calm down. What you were saying He
4: wasn't guessing.
3: Opposition opposition goal scorer. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, but I'm I'm completely yeah. stumped on this one. Um, I'm gonna say. Uh, Jerome Thomas.
4: (laughs) No, but I love where he heads at. Um, (laughs) Shall I give you another obscure piece of fact? Another obscure fact?
2: Yeah, you can. Go on.
4: It's the last time we played them, but, uh, yeah, it's the last time we played them, basically.
2: Right, okay. I'm going to go Carlton Cole.
4: Nope. No. Is this is West Ham. Right? This, yeah. K- Kevin Nolan. No, I don't. Oh. This be...
3: No, uh, Upton Park. No. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> oh my no. God! <laughs> oh, still where, nil nil. Where was this game?
3: Um,
2: <laughs> onus is on you, Jones.
3: Where was it? Last still 0 nil. nil. real <laughs> Morrison debut. Last time he played them. Um. <laughs> You're remembering the game, I know it. Oh, but bet it was like a random, obscure cup game against, like, League 2. there
2: has <laughs> got to be a time limit on this thing, isn't <laughs> uh,
3: um I don't know. Uh, it's not random. It's, it's ooh,
2: not... Oh, 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 yeah. Go on, James.
3: I don't like those sounds <laughs> you're making. Um, <laughs> last time we played him, it's not like... Nah. Come on, <laughs> ref, ref,
2: come <laughs> yeah, on. Get moving, Ryan. You got right, two, out, ref. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> right, opponent. Nottingham Forest? No, it's. Not. <laughs> oh, oh I
3: thought that was it. Oh.
4: Season could be a giveaway. It could be the easiest one. This is tough, mate. <laughs> it's a tough one.
3: Last time we played them. Opponent. Blackburn? No, it's no, a it's good it can't effort. Can't Blackburn, can it? <laughs> Right, oh, I give it. Uh,
2: you gotta give the opponent, yeah. Opponent is Leeds. Oh. oh, oh,
3: oh! Oh, I think I, I think I know the game. Everyone threw off by it. Yeah, I think I know the game.
2: Oh, that's All not right. good. Uh, oh. Lush. Okay, I. I'm gonna go. Oh. Oh, two thousand and. Eleven, twelve.
4: That is correct. Oh, <laughs> That the is net. correct.
2: <laughs> back of the net.
4: <laughs> that is
2: correct. <laughs> one 0 right at the death, last minute winner. James Jones, no Adamola, Lookman penalty opportunities for you there. No,
4: no, fair play, fair play. Sorry, co- i have um,
2: given you're giving you're giving a random Tom,
3: one.
4: Tell no, us I have no about it. I was going for a random one, and yeah, it's the last time we played Leeds United against uh, at Allen Road, and we beat, we drew one all Danny, Danny Collins. Danny Collins, yeah. Yeah, Danny Collins scored at the last minute. I was there. Luciano Becchio scored for them. It was quite a big game for us in the automatic, automatic pro uh, push at the time, and it was just one of those games that sticks in my mind forever. And Ravel Morrison came on for Jack Collison in the 81st minute, and then we wouldn't see him for another year and a half, because he went on loan to Birmingham and then made his debut through that season so yeah just wasn't a game a, wasn't that
3: game in amongst the run of five draws in a row which pretty much stopped yeah. us going up automatically because
4: we yeah, just couldn't that was, win that a game yeah exactly and it, and Danny Collins uh, it was either his first or second game he only played three or four and he scored so right at the end 93rd minute or something on it yeah
3: yeah I,
2: nice. only, I only that's a great great one Tom I like that and I only remember that game because that's one of only two away games that I missed that season yeah I didn't go to Leeds or Mill the Leeds one I was flying back from holiday on the day I was hoping to be able to make it but the uh, flight timers didn't work out and that's the only reason I remember that but yeah last minute winner wasn't it? a couple of videos floating around on YouTube of the absolute scenes in that corner, stuck in the corner in the away end. But that was a good one. Jonesy, are you sort of smelling a rat there, Tom, Uh, picking a deliberately difficult one so we didn't rack the points up? Because that leaves the points at the moment. You're still miles out in front on 16. I've moved up one solitary place, a solitary point to 11. Tom's still on 10.
3: No, I think it's always good to have some rogue games in there. Um, I mean, I, I think I don't think we were expecting something as rogue as that, but um, I'm a big fan of that because um, I, I mean I've got quite a good memory when it comes to random games, um, but that one beat me. Um, so yeah, no, I'm all I'm, I'm all over it, all over it. Good, good stuff.
2: I like that one, Tom. An excellent game to look back on. Stay with us because next I've got Isabel Bark. WSL expert and sports journalist from the Sun to chat West Ham women, and she is a Fulham fan as well. So, it will of course, be rude of us not to ask her for her feelings on Adamola Lookman's penalty after some foul mouth exchanges with both me and Jonesy after the game. So, name that game there, Tom Edwards. Excellent quiz master as ever. And to wrap up the show, I am delighted as ever to say that we welcome Isabel Barker, WSL expert and sports journalist from The Sun, but more importantly this week, Isabel Barker, the Fulham fan. Now, Isabel, delighted to have you back. Surprised you said yes. Um, Me too, me too. The exchanges you had with both James and I. James is on Twitter. Quite a simple one: a middle finger emoji to uh, tweet James put out. And uh, yeah, I uh, when I text you after the game, I was thought I was quite friendly. I said my team is ridiculous, but somehow yours is worse, and you didn't take it very well, did you?
0: No, I, I feel like you were completely rubbing it in my face, and um, yeah, I've come on reluctantly today, um, had to face you all, and it was. It was just seeing not only your smug faces, but Ben Rama's smug face in um, James' tweet. I think it just was the cherry on the cake, because, you know, ex-Brentford guy... It was just so painful. It was just rubbing so much salt in the wounds that yeah, um, it wasn't very pleasant speaking to you guys. Got to be honest.
2: (laughs) No, not at all. I mean, you described uh, the penalty to me um, as vile on WhatsApp. I think was the exact words that you used. What's your now? A few days have gone past. Have you sort of calmed down about the the game and the result at all? Are you still as as angry as ever?
0: No, I think it's just the matter of the way that that penalty is the most painful thing ever to go back like it's almost like cringeworthy to like think about it and so I can't actually bring myself to watch it like just the manner of what it was you know you we you guys get the opener so late on you know that was so painful and it was like you were playing better but I didn't feel like we quite deserved it and then to get that penalty and think oh my god last kick of the game like we're getting a point here and then I like you said. You looked at your dad, and you were just like almost half smiling, shocked. Like I just like couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe it, and I still can't really like. Everyone's kind of laughing and joking about it. I still don't find it that funny. Like it's just <laughs> so painful. It's almost like torture looking back at it, just because of 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 the manner of it. I mean, we've seen people miss penalties in, in the last pen, um, Premier League games, but that one is by far the worst. That I think that is. Would you would you agree? I mean, it will benefit for you guys, but it was just horrible.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. if it was a, if <laughs> yeah. it was a West Ham player, you'd just be that was it. But is the just quickly then? So you mentioned it's sort of hard to get over. Is um, the GIF of the penalty miss that I keep sending you is that helping at all? Or
0: yeah, like you're really doing a good way of never getting <laughs> on this podcast ever again. Like it's <laughs> this, this is like real pain as well. It's like. I'm going through really horrible therapy and coming back on talking to all of you guys and it's just torture, really, really unpleasant ways to do anything. Sometimes you. talking <laughs> about
3: sometimes talking about things just makes it feel a little bit better inside, though.
0: That's why it's like therapy. Yeah. It's just horrible going back on this dark past. Yeah, it's, it's horrible and this horrible memory. But um, thanks for that, guys, and I'm sure everyone, all of the West Ham fans listening, will. will you're
2: rambling in this too <laughs> <laughs> exactly just just before we move on what is your uh, as far as lookman goes there's been uh, varied viewpoints in in the media since it happened Scott Parker obviously didn't mince his words after the game as no one expected him to and just said you know you can't miss a penalty like that uh do you feel any sort of mm, pity is probably the wrong word but do you are you willing to sort of let him off a bit because he's one of Fulham's uh, better players this season or is yours just, no, that was completely unprofessional and ridiculous?
0: No, I, th- I think that's a good point. I think it was funny when, I don't know if you guys heard, but with obviously no fans in the ground, that when Luckman took the penalty, did you hear someone absolutely scream like, no! And I think that was Scott Parker that was screaming that. So I think obviously, yeah, he didn't, he didn't mince his words but I think from from my point of view he has been one of our best players and that's because of the confidence that he has how confident he's been and then something like that is surely just going to dent your confidence so much so what he doesn't need is all of these horrible comments on social media like I as a Fulham fan I, I fully support him and behind him like it wasn't it wasn't the, the Penenka penalty it was the execution of it Um, but um Yeah, I think everyone makes mistakes, people miss penalties and and I'm fully behind him going forward because I want him to get his confidence back because, yeah, I think you made a good point in the sense that um, he is one of our best players. I think the media, the people that are commenting on him haven't watched Fulham, so they don't know that he has actually been probably our best player. So, yeah, I'm, I'm behind him fully going forward.
2: And uh, just just one quick one then before we move on to the West Ham women. Positive news on that front, of course. Me and Jonesy have been agging at each other since the very beginning of the show about uh, West Ham's performance. Obviously, you have been concentrating primarily on your own team. I was pretty angry with the way we conducted ourselves in the second half. The goal that we scored, I didn't see it coming. We were just passing mundanely around uh, among our defenders. You were containing us really well, I thought. And then I was infuriated uh by Saeed Rama's unprofessional penalty as I saw it the giveaway for that I just thought it's ridiculous to do it uh Jonesy takes a different view and uh, as I am a bit of a Ebenezer Scrooge bar humbag on this podcast says why can't I just be happy with the win what's from a some sort of opposition view if you like what did you make of uh, of those things from a West Ham perspective because you didn't seem to be in that much danger to me before we actually scored
0: Yeah, I think that was kind of what I, like, I think what we were kind of airing is the fact that you were like, oh, my team looks bad, but your team was even worse at the end. But I think, I think there wasn't much in it. And like I was saying, with that, with that late goal, I, like I said, didn't think we really deserved it. And we were actually managing, like you say, to to keep you off the ball and, and to, well, we were kind of passing it to death as well. Like, our pretty passed it to death football it doesn't really seem to do that much. But I felt like it was quite even with that. And um I feel like it, if there was a time to beat West Ham considering you've had some really good results, um it would have been that night. I didn't, that's why it's really a bitter pill for me to swallow because, you know, I don't think we're going to have many chances against Premier League sides to get a point or a win. And I think that would have been, that could have been the night because I didn't think West Ham was that, um, yeah that um glitzy and glamorous on the ball Good. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, on to more positive news, um, certainly from, uh, for your point of view, is the West Ham women, the last time we had you on, uh, it was pretty doom and gloom, as it has been for most of the women's segments we've done this season, to be quite honest. And we, yeah. we we wheeled out our own fair share of cliches, didn't we, lads, the last few weeks, about, you know, these are must-win games and how long has Matt Beard got, et cetera, et cetera, words to that effect. Um, and I think we all, we all said last week, it's, it's about... To Time that you know he needs to turn it into results or, or proper serious questions should and need to be asked, and they did it pretty emphatically—a three-nil League Cup win over Reading first of all last Wednesday, the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, before a even better and I think more arguably more important WSL win away to Birmingham on Sunday. Uh, some great positives to take. Where did you think that came from? Those results.
0: I think finally Matt Beard has actually been focusing on injecting a bit of organisation and um, tactics and working on things like set pieces into the side because we've seen goals from set pieces and crosses and things like that. Whereas it's kind of just before been the goals have come from a bit of charging open play and a little bit of luck. But it seems like there's actually, you know, they've, they've gone to the drawing board and Matt Beard has actually stepped up and gone through you know tactically how they need to sharpen up and they've really worked on the set pieces they're using players like Rachel Daly for what she's really good at and you know these amazing crosses into the box so they look like a much more formidable side That's actually you know because before we've seen West Ham score and then nothing else really comes from it but they're actually gritting their teeth and grinding out a win and um it yeah it does look like a complete well not completely new side but definitely like Fine-tuning those bits that, that they need to do in terms of tactics on that organisation.
3: Do you think also we're beginning to see the 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 experience from a lot of those sort of summer signings, particularly the likes of Rachel Daly, um, begin to shine through in the squad because a lot of them perhaps have taken a little bit of time to sort of gel gel into the squad and get used mm-hmm. to Matt Beard's tactics. And you, know, you just mentioned that he's made a few tweaks to that. Do you think also there's an element of all these international players, all very very good international players, finally beginning to click, and also sort of just their experience really coming through now?
0: Yeah, I think I think we see that in the Premier League with with all these different players from all across the globe. Like as you said, I think I was mentioning on the last time I was on the West Ham actually has the most amount of players from different countries. So obviously mm. all these players need to find their feet, and in the women's game, it's it's quite difficult to, for women's players to settle because you know, they don't have these huge mansions where they can just move all their families to, you know, they're sharing houses and, and getting used to probably like London culture, you know, like sharing houses with people and paying rent and, and whatever and having to get used to that Um, and learning the language. And I think, yeah, like you say, that it's obviously fitting into place. Like someone like Rachel Daly has, has picked up so many awards for playing in Houston Dash in America, which is a completely different setup to playing for Map is West Ham. So obviously, you know, It's obviously just taken a bit of time for those summer signings to kind of, um, yeah, all gel. And I think um, just Arsenal's manager was saying that about this time of year, we're going to start to see teams like West Ham, teams like Bristol, Birmingham, you know, they looked much better, starting to do a bit better because the the signings, because they get them all over the world, different loans and things like that. They're actually starting to, yeah, settle in and, and find their feet.
4: Isabel, Alicia Lehman scored her first goal of the season against Reading um, on that Wednesday. How important do you think she is to what West Ham needs to do going forward and how much do we need her best form? Because she obviously hasn't given it this season so far.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think she's kind of gone under the rug a bit. But, um, but she's probably arguably one of their best players. I know a lot of other clubs have she's been on their radar because of how good she is for clubs like Man United, you know, Casey Stoney picks Alicia Lehman out as one of the best players because she can be so formidable but this season I think it was that I, I, you can see how frustrated she's looked on the pitch particularly from me going to that Arsenal game as the one I've been to but you see how frustrated she looks and I think it was with the delivery she's not getting the service but obviously players like Rachel Daly are um, giving her that service that she needs and yeah she's looking so much better, Adriana Leon looking amazing as well and along in that kind of partnership. So um, I think, yeah, she's got the players around her to really kind of make her shine now. And they're obviously all gelling and, that, and that's bringing her out.
2: Isabel, it's Brighton next up in the WSL. And what a, it's just crazy how much can change within the space of a week. Brighton are eighth in the WSL, just a point above West Ham. And if they, they manage to get a... That's a home game on the 15th. That's Sunday, isn't it? And uh, if they manage to get a win... Out of that, the girls are on seven points, depending on what Birmingham do. They could skip up to seventh in the league. Um, all of a sudden, it's it, yeah, obviously not completely out of trouble, but uh, can you see them picking up a, a any a result there? They beat Brighton earlier in the season in the League Cup, of course, albeit on penalties. Um, no reason not to be a little bit more optimistic now.
0: No, not at all. I, th- I think um, from the, the past results, I think we're seeing the, the most competitive, exciting WSL ever because we're seeing, you know, top dogs Arsenal losing to new, newly promoted virtually Man United, um, uh, West Ham getting their first win. It's the most competitive um, season yet in my eyes. You know, Man City drew to Brighton and then Brighton lose to Aston Villa who were second from Boston. I think there's no better time to play Brighton either because their manager Hope Powell who, who was the former England manager she's having to self-isolate with the assistant manager because there was a positive COVID test in in the coaching staff I'm not sure whether it was Hope Powell or not because there's not that many people in women's team coaching staff there's probably about four or whatever so yeah I'm not sure but she's, she's having to be at home and and it obviously didn't work for them. She's a very, um, you know, domineering presence with, with her players. And it, and they lost against us with Villa, having bearing in mind they drew with Man City. So I think there's, if she's still South Isolated, there's no better time for West Ham to play, Brian.
2: Yeah, that's uh, just the Isabel. The uh, WSL Cup or the League Cup, as it's colloquially known, is what uh, the girls beat Reading in the other week. And for those of uh, people at home who might not know exactly how it works, it's a slightly different format, the League Cup, isn't it, uh, in the women's game than it is in the men's. There's a group stage. Your next game is Charlton away, I believe. Can you just give us some insight into how the that League Cup is formatted? Obviously, West Ham, top of that group, um, two wins. From their two games, um, how does how does it actually work with that? Because obviously they beat Brighton on penalties, didn't they? Albeit, it's in a it's in a group stage like points for wins uh, competition.
0: You're testing me a bit, so I might be a WSL expert, but I don't. Re- I rarely cover the League Cup because um, yeah, there's only a couple women's football reporters. I believe if it's group stages that uh, the top two in the group go through. Yeah, because the, girl, the Sorry, girls are in
2: would... uh, the girls are in Group D, aren't they? So I think if they uh, if they manage to beat Charlton, then uh, yeah, then Brighton can't catch them, and they'll progress through yeah. to the next stage. I was just wondering because I uh, say so I mentioned there about um, those who don't know. I think it's a new format, um, and I was just wondering oh. trying to get trying to get my head around it. Um exactly at yeah. work. But they're certainly in good shape with um with the two wins from the two games they've played yeah. so far. Charlton is certainly a winnable game as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think I think from a West Ham perspective, the, the girls have a really good chance of, yeah, doing doing really well in this League up because Brighton had to cancel their game with Charlton because of the whole COVID scare at Brighton. So I believe that's put West Ham in a real good stead. So um yeah, I think West Ham has a really good chance in their group and Charlton's definitely winnable. Um yeah, I think I think the, the divide between even the the women's, the WSL and the Championship is so big. Even the the divide between the top season, the WSL and the bottom of the WSL is so big. So yeah, West Ham have a real good chance going into that game.
2: And a lot of belief and
0: confidence from, from the last, their last yeah, result. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So it's Charlton, uh, the Charlton game is after Brighton this Sunday. So Charlton is Wednesday, the 18th of November. And then it's Chelsea away, Bristol City away, uh, Aston Villa at home and West Ham, uh, Sorry, and Men's City away the next four games up for the girls in the league. So some winnable games in there, Some obviously some tough fixtures in that lot as well. Isabel, thanks very much for joining us again. Before we let you go, is there anything me and the lads can do to help you get over the Fulham game? Because obviously what we've been trying so far doesn't seem to have helped. And uh, we can't have you in this sort of state if, uh, if we ask you on again in a few weeks.
0: I think, I think what James was saying, I think you've just got to pour your heart out and it really helps the heartbreak. I can see all your little faces here and it is like I'm having a therapy session and you're all helping me through and yeah I'm feeling a little bit better now and obviously drowned my sorrows that night that's what, that always helps and um, yeah slowly but surely I'm, I'm getting through. thanks to all your great. Great memes and, and tweets of Ben Rama's annoying little face celebrating that penalty. So thank you so much. It's
2: great. <laughs> yeah, excellent stuff from Isabel Barker. There. Wonderful to have you on again. Thanks very much for joining us. And we'll of course get you on again for Fulham later in the season. That is almost it for the show tonight. But stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts from James and Tom and of course the FPL update next. So there you have it, Isabel Barker there, sports journalist and WSL expert from The Sun with some excellent insight. And uh, yeah, she wasn't too happy with me and you, James, was she? But uh, I don't care about that because West Ham got three points. What a show it's been tonight. Tony Gale, uh, former West Ham and Fulham. Star of course uh, Brilliant to have him on Brilliant to have Isabel with us And all in all quite entertaining These shows are always good fun After West Ham get a win No wins on the Betway charity bets unfortunately So uh, that is of course what makes One of the things that make for a perfect podcast But uh, interesting one nonetheless One thing though Jonesy As we always do A little fantasy football roundup at the end of the show Once again it was the bit that I was really really looking forward to I had a stonking week uh, took a risk on two transfers. Uh, so I've got docked four points for that. Bought in uh, Wilfred Zaha and Kurt Zuma. Kurt Zuma didn't do anything. I was a bit disappointed that Chelsea didn't keep a clean sheet, but I managed a whopping 76 points this week, which increases my lead at the top of our little league even further. And uh, another pretty uh,
3: grim tale for you. Oh, just it's the captain choices every week for me. Um, I think. I think I've only had two captains out of eight that have delivered. Um, one of which was Salah getting his act-trick on the opening day of the season. Um, other than that, like I picked Son again this week, and um, yeah, like wash my hands of that guy again. Like what is he doing? Um, so yeah, it's it's been a, a tragic season for me on fantasy football, and I, I just don't know. I don't know where to turn.
2: Well, I had, the, uh, I had the foresight of bringing in Thomas Suchek and Arthur Masuaku, both of whom have been sitting on my bench for most of the season. I just had a good feeling about it. Suchek finally delivered yeah. for me. Uh, so I was pleased with that one. I still had two clean sheets, um, McCarthy and James Justin from Leicester sitting on the bench. And I was oom and aah about bench boost this week. Um, could have been an even more of a bumper week, but Tom wasn't wasn't too bad from you. But it was a bumper bag week for most players this week. Um, fifty nine for you, I believe.
4: Yeah, fifty nine this week. It was one of those where I actually played the wild card. I had to get rid of a bit of dead wood. I got Kane in, which made a big difference. Gave him the armband. He scored. 18 for me, but then I made the decision to play Bowen and not play Suchek, which absolutely bit me in the arse. So one of those. But then Watkins on the Sunday night uh, pushing me over the line to beat the average to to just nudge me ahead of Jonesy. It's still, what, a few points in it between us two. But, yeah, again, it's it's a frustrating one. This season, for some reason, every decision I go, I feel like I'm a step too late or whatever it is because I've had Son in the last two weeks and uh, nothing. He, He will be getting axed. (laughs) <laughs> and it'll score again and it'll score with
2: yeah, money yeah absolutely that is the way of it isn't it yeah I think overall then 443 points I'm on Jonesy on 401 right at the bottom of the three of us and Tom on 410 you can of course uh, at home uh, if you're listening in and you want to join in with the We Are West Ham League uh, there's a few hundred people in that Rudy Eagling holds top spot he holds on at the top he was top last week still there with 562 points uh, and the code, if you want to join in, is all lowercase C-N-Y-6-O, the letter U. Uh, so do jump on to that. Lads, brilliant show this week. Uh, just some final thoughts from you, Jonesy, before we say goodbye. We'll, of course, remind everyone to follow us on Twitter. Leave us a review uh, for the podcast. We'd really appreciate that this week. Uh, no one came in with any abuse for Tom Edwards in the intervening week, which was a bit of a shame. We did ask for that, but... Uh, nothing as of yet, but do please uh, pick up your phone, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen on, five stars and a few words, if you can spare the time, we'd really appreciate it, like I say the video for this show will be up in the middle of the day on Wednesday, so if you fancy having a look and watching me and the lads and Tony Gale as well and Isabel Barker uh, do go, scroll down to the podcast description below where you'll find a link to our YouTube channel, Jonesy, great show Uh, final thoughts from you
3: yeah, no, it's a, another great show. Good to speak to Tony. Um, always a pleasure having Tony on and um, continues a good run of us getting some fantastic guests on. So, uh, got a work cut out for us for the next few weeks to to carry on that run. But um, three points on the board at West Ham. I know you're not happy about it, Will, but um, I'll certainly be still be celebrating through the international break for three good points. 11th or 12th in the league now. Nosebleed territory, given our last couple of seasons. Um, onwards and upwards. Absolutely. Thomas, uh, some departing final musings from you. And if you
2: can tell us uh, the initial boot off between me and James at the beginning of the show, as always, we need a definitive answer. Who was right and who was wrong?
4: I wish I could, but I'm going to get it in the neck one way or the other. But um, no, mate, another another great guest, another great, another icon, another person, obviously my old man and everyone grew up. So when I told him he's coming on, it's it's one of those cool things that you get to hear. What a great man like that has to say about the club the club that he grew to love and the club that he does love so that was brilliant mate first and foremost a win's a win I know you're going to moan about it but a win's a win we didn't play the way we should or at least give us the hope to think that we're going to go and slap Aston Villa and Sheffield United the way we all thought we might but no as for a winner between you two I think it's a pen I think we could have been better but I'm in between but I'm probably leaning two percent towards you but I'm you're over the top as well.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'll take 2% wins all day. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. just like I uh, had to take a 2% win at name that game as well. Look, it's been a brilliant show. Thanks very much to the boys um, tonight. Thanks very much, of course, to Isabel Barker for joining us again and being a great sport. And thank you very, very much to ex West Ham star and now football pundit for Sky Sports, Tony Gale it's been a strange week international week coming up West Ham did win I'm going to forgive Saeed Ben-Rama and I think I can just about forgive uh, the rest of the team for that abject performance in the second half and uh, one man who will be in my heart forever after that is uh, Lucas Fabianski thanks very much for listening everyone it's been a great week enjoy the international break I know we certainly will and join us next week for more guests and a look ahead to the Sheffield United game keep the faith everyone up the hammers and we'll see you next week
0: Podcast Network.